Just imagine, the mightiest heroes of our time. All of them, on one team. The Fire and Water Network proudly presents... JLU Cast. Hello and welcome to JLU Cast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, covering the Justice League Unlimited animated series. I'm one of your hosts, Cindy Franklin. And I'm Chris Franklin, and we're back with Episode 7 of JLU Season 1, named The Return. The title comes from The Return of a memorable character introduced in Season 2 of Justice League. But it's also the return of a missing hero established in the DCAU before Justice League and the return of one of the Magnificent Seven. So makes sense why it's called The Return. I like that emphasis there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Return originally aired September 18, 2004. Story by Stan Berkowitz. Teleplay by J.M.D. Mateus. Directed by Joaquin Dos Santos. With music by Michael McQuistion. In the cast, we had Phil Lamar as Green Lantern and Steel. Carl Lumley as John Jones, George Newbern as Superman, Maria Canals, oh my gosh, as Hot Girl, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Picardo as Amazo, Clancy Brown as Lex Luthor, John C. McGinley as The Atom, Will Friedle as Kyle Rayner, Oded Fear as Dr. Fate, Nicole Tom as Supergirl, and Jennifer Hale as Enza. On the Watchtower, Green Lantern John Stewart confers with the Guardians of the Universe on Oa via his power ring. Stewart asks about swapping assignments with Kyle Rayner, giving him some time away from Earth. The Guardians refuse the offer, but before Stewart can formulate a rebuttal, a siren alarms with an unidentified object fast approaching Oa. Kyle and the other Lanterns attempt to stop it, but are waylaid by the powerful object. The Guardians magnify the image, and Stewart and Jean Jones recognize the immovable object as Amazo, Professor Ivo's adaptive android. Amazo makes contact with Oa, and the entire planet seemingly disintegrates, taking the Guardians and the Green Lanterns with it. Jean and GL track Amazo's trajectory toward Earth and call in leaguers for a three-level defense in space, the upper atmosphere, and on Earth itself. As the others teleport away, Superman questions why Amazo, who told them he had evolved beyond humanity, would return to Earth. Meanwhile, Lex Luthor is being interviewed by a television film crew about his turning over a new leaf. He comments that he even hopes to be friends with the Justice League one day, when Steel and Supergirl arrive and kidnap him. When they explain why he's being abducted, Lex tells them he knows of a place where he can be safe. He leads them to an innocuous barber shop. Inside, Lex accesses a secret tunnel which takes him to a fortified chamber below the city. Supergirl and Steel follow, but Kryptonite failsafes force them to stop. Inside the chamber sets a huge double-barreled laser cannon. It's then Lex realizes he's not alone and that the atom, shrunken down to microscopic size, has hitched a ride on his shoulder. Lex is perturbed the League has chosen to protect him with one of its weakest members. But Adam reminds him that he is an expert on nanotechnology, the very technology that Amazo is built from and produces the android's blueprints the League had previously confiscated from Luthor. In space, Superman, GL, Captain Atom, Orion, Dr. Light, Stripe, Starman, and a massive fleet of javelin ships wait for Amazo to approach Earth. They don't have to wait long as the android speaks to them telepathically. He warns them that he will have Luthor, and that he has evolved since they last met. Despite Superman's warnings, he continues toward Earth, and the heroes open fire on him. Back on Earth, Adam asks Lex why Amazo hates him. He tells him he once took advantage of his naivete, but Lex assures him that he doesn't do that anymore. Adam isn't convinced, but John interrupts on the telescreen with bad news. Amazo has defeated the first line of defense and is headed toward Earth. Lex and Adam continue to work on the cannon, but Lex becomes frustrated. Adam assures him that they will find a way to stop Amazo, 
But little do they realize Amazo is listening to all of the chatter on Earth and pinpoints the sound of his target's voice. As he gets closer to Groundfall, Supergirl meets him head-on, but he sends her careening into the ocean. He also takes out Rocket Red, Fire, and Red Tornado, who is destroyed. From the Watchtower, Jean tells the ground forces and Lex and Adam to be ready, but he has a visitor who offers a chance of hope, Dr. Fate. Amazo swats away Wonder Woman, Flash, Steel, and Ice like fleas, then makes his way through the defenses toward Luthor. While Lex and Adam continue to work feverishly, Amazo overcomes every obstacle that is thrown at him. He makes it into the inner chamber and Lex fires his cannon, which does nothing. Meant to rewrite his nanotech programming, Amazo tells his quarry he evolved past that a month ago. In space, Superman and crew are rescued and revived by the arriving Green Lanterns, who somehow survived Amazo's attack on Oa. Kyle tells Stuart the plan. Use the last bit of power they have left in their rings for one massive blast against the android. Dr. Fate and Jean overhear this and the Martian feels it's the only way. Fate strongly disagrees and teleports away, looking for a less destructive solution. In the underground chamber, Amazo tosses Luther around, reminding him of how he was manipulated by him. A defiant Luther tells him to just do it, and so the Atom does, touching Lux's shoulder and shrinking both of them down into a subatomic universe. Unfortunately, Amazo follows, and Adam and Lex find themselves literally in the palm of his hand. The android asks why Lex craves more wealth and power when he already has it. What is his ultimate purpose? Lex, of course, turns the tables and points out what Amazo wants to know is what is his own ultimate purpose. The lanterns arrive and approach the chamber, but Dr. Fate blocks him, pleading for them to stop, since Amazo has proven benign before. Insulted, Stuart reminds Fate of what happened to Oa, and then the lanterns threaten to blast Fate if he doesn't step aside. Landers find no sign of the android or Lex in the Atom. Fate tells him Luthor is saving the world. While the android threatens to destroy Luthor and all existence, Lex tells Amazo that he craves more knowledge and power to stay in the game and to see where it's all heading. He points out that the android will outlive everyone and witness the evolution of the human race. The android asks if that is his purpose, and Lex tells him it's up to him to make his own purpose. Then Lex acts like Lex and snidely tells him he doesn't fear him, just pities him. The android grows larger and larger. And they reappear in the chamber. The lanterns prepare to blast the android, but fate intervenes again and tells them it's over. Amazo agrees, but Stuart once again brings up the destruction of Oa. The android tells them that he didn't destroy it. He simply moved it to another dimension since it was in his way. With a flash of his eyes, he moves it back and the lanterns stand down. Fate offers to help him on his journey of finding his purpose and the two teleport away. They arrive in Fate's tower in Salem and are greeted by his wife, Enza. She asks him if he's all right, and Fate says he did wonder at one point if Jon Stewart was going to attack him. From out of the shadows steps the winged figure of Shiera Hall, the former hot girl, who answers, Oh, I don't know about that. His bark's a lot worse than his bite. Yes, yes. So what an opener, though. Uh, first off, we get the return of Kyle Rayner. Right. Uh, yes, he does exist. Yes, Virginia, there is a Kyle Rayner. Uh, after seeing a non-speaking cam- cameo in Justice League's Hereafter at Superman's funeral, the character returns with a new design based on Jim Lee's comic redesign of the time known as the dog collar costume. Mm-hmm. So no crab mask. Right. But, you know, we saw that recently anyway. So. Uh, Kyle has a new voice, but one very familiar to DCAU fans. He's voiced by Terry McGinnis himself, Will Friedle. Besides Batman Beyond, Fredell is best known as Eric on Boy Meets World, where he played Ben Savage's fictional brother. We had his real-life brother, Fred Savage, 
and Fred's fictional siblings, Jason Hervey and Olivia Deabo, recently on Justice League Unlimited. Right, yeah. Six degrees of Fred Savage. Yeah. <laughs> Either his real siblings or his fake ones. Or his fake one, his real siblings' fake ones. <laughs> oh, that made my head hurt. So apparently Kyle has been off on space duty for the duration of the series so far. So maybe John Stewart was on that same duty when Superman met Kyle in the Superman episode. Right. Brightest day. Right. Rotating them around. Yeah. yeah. So what did you think of, of John Stewart wanting uh, some off-Earth time? I mean, I completely understand it. He wants some time away from it. But what I don't understand is why the Green Lanterns wouldn't let him. I mean, why was it so important that he had... He has to stay there. This is a military operation. We don't care about, you know, you know you'll have to work it out on your own. We know what's going on. <sighs> I mean, what hard butts? I mean, they're the Guardians. They're always, you know... I mean, they went from being like very, you know, very stoic and very, you know, unemotional to, you know, now they've they've almost been portrayed as villainous at times. Yeah. You know? So yeah, this is this is kind of in between there. Yeah. Um, Kyle pipes up about it being nice to go back home for a bit, and the guardian, sh- the lead guardian, I don't know which one it was, yeah, shoots him a nasty look, and and then he he kind of like rubs the back of his neck. It looks like a whip pup. I like, know. He's going, okay. <laughs> and he hangs his head. Yeah, he hangs his head. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> And the Guardians know why John wants off Earth. Like you said, it's our business to know these things. And, uh, you know, despite saying they don't won't change their minds over personal problems, they do show a moment of compassion, the lead Guardian, by telling him, you're going to have to work through it, John. His eyebrows go from down to kind of up a little bit. Yeah. You know, but, just... <laughs> but I'm just like, really? <sighs> Uh, one, one reason it was very confusing writing a synopsis for this episode because, you know, there's multiple Green Lanterns and mm-hmm. then Jean is involved in this. So that's why I called John Stewart, Stewart in the synopsis. Right, so, right. Uh, Jean Jones, the Martian Manhunter, even speaks up for the swap, but the Guardians ain't having it from him either. So I'm just like, come on, dude. <laughs> uh, we see all the Green Lanterns have been redesigned while they were redesigning Kyle. James Tucker just went nuts. And made new costumes for everyone. Yeah, so, very cool. They yeah, all, they all have more individual uniforms now. We see Arizia, Salak, Kilowog, Kat Matui, Larvox, Tomar Ray, Stell, and several others in this brief sequence. And we'll see more of them later. Later, yeah. And be able to identify more of them later. So, And then Amazo blasts through them and through Oa, destroying it. Or so it looks. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, you're just, whoa. I remember thinking, how are they going to fix that? Mm-hmm. When we first went <laughs> And, I mean, they've killed off Green Lanterns before on here. Mm -hmm. So, it's like, whoa, you know. Uh, Of course, Amazo is the main reason this episode is called The Return, as as he comes back to Earth after having left in disgust over how Luthor manipulated him in Tabula Raza in Season 2 of Justice League. He's once again voiced by the wonderful Robert Picardo, who knows a thing or two about playing artificial intelligence, having played the holographic doctor on Star Trek Voyager. Exactly. Uh, oftentimes the best thing about Star Trek Voyager. Yes. Yes. Uh, so the leaguers, John and Geo, call in include Superman, Wonder Woman, Supergirl, Steel, Flash, Orion, Stripe, Dr. Light, Ice, Red Tornado, Rocket Red, Starman, Fire, and Captain Atom. Gesundheit. Yes. For some <laughs> reason, Fire can fly to the teleporter pad while she's not flamed on. I know. Yeah. I'm like... <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, so we have The Return. Of Lex Luthor, the official one anyway, for the first time in Justice League Unlimited. And he's knee-deep in his campaign to change his public image and rewrite his narrative 
Needless to say, this is a huge part of this series going forward. Exactly. And I mean, you've got the thing where, you know, well, what about the Justice League? Well, they trusted me, you know, yeah. and I'm like. And the reporter even mm. gives him a like, oh, yeah, whatever. Look, yeah. I miss but the thing is, is as has been proven time and time again here in America. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. There's my politicizing for today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like. You wouldn't think that people would be that gullible, but okay. Yep. Uh, Lex is still wearing his Tony Stark-like chest plate, keeping his kryptonite-induced cancer at bay. Because he doesn't know how long he's going to be able to live. He right. tells him it might be 30 days. It might be... 30 you know, minutes. 30, 30, you know, yeah. 30 years. Yeah, 30 so. years. So uh, We also have the return of Steel, but he's no longer voiced by Michael Dorn. Unfortunately, this time Phil Lamar pulls double duty and provides John Henry Irons' voice. Mm -hmm. So, And it, it is a little bit different. Yeah, you know? I mean, he doesn't... I mean, yeah, Michael Dorn... Michael Dorn's got a very distinctive, this, mm -hmm. super deep... You know, not... I mean, and I'm, as much as I love Phil Lamar... His his John Stewart voice is a put on voice, and Michael Dorn's voice is naturally very deep. deep yeah. Obviously, you know, you not were, James Earl, not James Earl deep, but deep. You know, I mean, if you were any other man, I'd kill you where you stand. You know, I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> oh, I knew that was gonna come. It's my favorite Wharf line ever. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he uh, uses it all the time. I do, folks. I do. Yeah, uh, at the barber shop, still makes the joke. Got to hand it to you, Luthor. Nobody would think to look for you here. That joke would have been better coming from Supergirl. Yes. Because John Henry Irons is always bald. Yeah, that's he's, what I thought. He's bald in the comics, he's bald on here, and he's bald on Superman and Lois. Exactly. Where he's really cool on Superman and Lois. Yes. <laughs> I watch a spinoff show with that guy. I know. He is really cool. I yeah. like I like just him. Yeah, I do too. I just like I like the actor. And I like the portray yeah, the portrayal. Yeah, I, I do yeah. too. Yeah, he's really cool. Uh, my favorite bit is uh, in this episode is the barber. Who looks just like Floyd Lawson, the yes. barber from, oh my gosh. from the Andy yep. Griffith show, as played by Howard McNair. Oh yes, yes, Lex is a good boy. Oh yeah, yes, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was I think it was Calvin Coolidge who said, "Oh, Lex Luthor, he's a guy. He's a nice person." Yeah. Anyway, uh, the, the <laughs> idea of a barber shop as a front for a top secret installation is lifted straight from Marvel comic Shield stories. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of times Cap and Nick Fury would meet in that barber shop. Yeah. You know. Uh, the bit with the egg-shaped vehicle going down through the tunnel reminded me of Batman Forever where Bruce Wayne... Yep. Go, yep. Do you think about that? Yes! Val Kilmer's Bruce Wayne goes from the Wayne Enterprises building to Wayne Manor in the Batcave underneath it. Yep. So I thought that was kind of... I don't know if it was meant that way, but yeah. And of course, Lex would line the tunnel walls with kryptonite. Of course. I mean, it's kind of funny. Supergirl's just flying along and then all of a sudden it starts glowing green and there's all these bits of... Of kryptonite, and she just goes like, oh. and skids across the floor, and Steel has to get her out of there, of course, you know. On the commentary track, Tim stated that the series of blast doors were a nod to get smart. Oh, so okay. That, I thought that was kind of funny. And then we meet the Atom. Mm -hmm. uh, it's always a treat when one of the classic Justice Leaguers shows up on this series, so, mm -hmm. you know, I was excited to see the Atom. Uh, Ray Palmer was mentioned last season in the episode Hereafter. Future Vandal Savage tells Superman to seek out Ray Palmer so past Savage can be defeated. But here we meet his superheroic alter ego. Mm -hmm. The Atom is voiced by John C. McGinley, best known for his role as Dr. Perry Cox on Scrubs. But we like him best here as the title character of the Cancel Too Soon Stand Against Evil. Yes. <laughs> but it was so... Ugh. 
Yeah, I, I that was a, that's a good show. If you've never watched that show, I will admit the later part of season two is not as great. Right, it right. It kind of runs out. The of, first season and two thirds are really, really good. Yeah, they're really, really good. But it, they didn't wrap it up well. No, they didn't wrap know. it up at all. They left a cliffhanger and didn't come back. I know. That's what I'm saying. It was on. Know? Was it on? It was on IFC or something. Yeah, it was yeah. an odder channel. Yeah, but yeah. it's streaming on. It's streaming on one of the shows. Uh, one of the services because I we recently rewatched it so. Uh, Lex is very dismissive of the Adam, but he reminds well, him to go back to that. If you like um, Evil Dead, it's in that same flavor. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of in that same kind of flavor, a little less gory, but yeah. Uh, Lex is very dismissive of the Adam, but he reminds him he's an expert in nanotechnology. It also makes me wonder if the Adam's secret identity is known to the public or something, because has the Adam written papers on nanotech as the Adam? Right. You know, it's like you know, here's a here's a he he shows up and gives. You know, lectures as the Adam at university, right? Or, <laughs> or you know, I mean, at one point, you know, Ray Palmer's identity is known in the comics because oh, okay. Gene Laurie Loring writes a tell-all book while he's off in the jungle in the sort of the Adam phase, and so when he comes back, everybody knows he's the Adam mm, at okay. one point. So, yeah. Uh, so where did all of these javelins come from? I know. I know Bruce Wayne is rich. But dang, uh-huh. I mean, it's a bit excessive. I, I don't think they needed to show that many. Just a rough count, I had about eighty-two. I mean, 80, it was... eighty-two ships. I mean, Whew. I mean, that's a fleet. You know, I mean, Starfleet's looking like damn. You know, I yeah. mean, that's... <laughs> and you think about it, each one of those is probably several million dollars. It's capable oh, of space yeah. flight. Probably you know? several billion dollars. I mean, yeah, it's that's nuts. That's... Well, I'm saying each one. Yeah, I mean, I know. I mean, if they, you know, if they like. I'd almost rather they like, you know, had, oh, we, we co-opted some of the Thanagarian ships when they, you know, they left here mm-hmm. or something like that. That would have been a better, yeah. Yeah. Superman has a space suit, which looks cool, but I don't like Superman in a space suit. I know. I, it, you know, having said that, I'd buy this action figure, but. Didn't they make one? Not of that suit. They made him from the, his Superman the Animated Series space suit. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. which looks different. This okay. one has like a half Cal, his hair sticking out, and his eyes are open so he can use his heat vision, but it's oh. got like a oxygen mask type thing over top of his face. So okay, okay. yeah, but I, I, I don't like that Superman. Superman should be able to breathe in space. He shouldn't be able to carry humans out in space like Superman Four. No, <laughs> but he should be able to breathe in space. So. so Amazo has has evolved, but not beyond petty revenge. Apparently, no. <laughs> apparently, that's one of the last things to go away. Yes, apparently. The action scene of the heroes opening up on him with uh, Green Lantern's guttural light him up. up. Yeah, yep. it's it's awesome. Everyone has a cool power effect. Orion Orion strafing with his astro harness will be reused in the credits, although they reverse it, so he looks like he's like coming coming towards toward the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As will the shot of all the javelins above mm-hmm. the Earth, so that'll be reused. There's a nice exchange between Lex and the Atom, where Lex answers. While the android hates him, he tells Adam he no longer takes advantage of people like he did Amazo. And Adam says, let's hope you're more convincing when you have to tell him that. I, mean, I know. He's, he's just, like, you liar. He just kind of looks at him, you know, like, uh, yeah, I'm not buying that. The way they reveal that Amazo plowed through Superman, Green Lantern, and a group of heroes and a fleet of starships is really nicely done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jean just buzzes Lex and Adam and says, gentlemen... To which uh, Lex answers, bad news. And then we see the unconscious bodies of Superman and crew floating among a sea of debris. Yeah. Now that's now that's the way that you show how 
you show Superman defeated to show how somebody's more powerful mm-hmm. because not just him getting electrified by a grate. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> that it's, it's not quite, it's, I guess technically it's a not so Superman moment, but it makes sense in this uh, episode because yeah. he wipes through everybody. So, uh, so did those ships have pilots? I know. Did Amazo kill them? I know. Cause <laughs> it's just debris. I know. I mean, it's like maybe they had escape pods or something. I don't know, but. They don't say anything about him killing anybody else Mm-mm, later, so yeah. I'm assuming they don't. But I, Adam is far nicer to Lex than he needs to be. Uh, do you think that's because he respects his genius? I think that's what it is. I mean, I think it's one of those cases you have to think, you know, Ray Palmer is a genius in his field. Right. And technically speaking, most geniuses are all also have huge egos. Yeah. And so that speaks to him. Yeah. You know, he yeah. probably has... An ego where his talents lie. Well, Ray, as he's been portrayed a lot of the times in the comics, it's kind of like the Reed Richards of the DC Universe where Mm. he's like super intelligent, but he's also, he's one of those people that's so into his work, he'll literally get lost in his work and Mm -hmm. ignore. That's one reason why Gene Loring, you know. Left him. Yeah, well, and why she turned to be psycho. But, you know, Mm. (laughs) well, it's not Ray's fault, but you know what I mean. It didn't help her. Yeah. You know, but, uh but um, yeah, so I that I kind of I kind of see that he he's he's almost in some ways he's kind of pure intellect, mm-hmm. so he can look past the, Lex is a bad guy, but he's really smart, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, uh, so and then Amazo wipes the floor with another round of heroes and apparently kills Red Tornado. I know. I, I believe we see Red Tornado again, so apparently he's rebuilt his. But still, yet yeah, he you know cleaves him like Raw and Rob Roy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He does. He's like Tim Roth. Yeah, he's in Rob Roy. I'm like Jiminy Crickets. Yeah, I know he's an android, but uh, it, it makes you wonder, since he is an android, you think he'd like find a kindred spirit. Exactly, yeah. In him, but no, he just, just goes right through him. So I should mention, too, Amazo is never called Amazo in this episode. Mm. He was never really called Amazo in the other episode either, but his blueprint said Amazo. Mm. He's credited as Amazo, and his gotcha. action figure is called Amazo. So we finally see the Flash in action in this season for a split second. He never speaks because for some wild reason, which I've never heard why, Michael Rosenbaum didn't record anything for JLU season one. Oh. I guess he was too busy with Smallville. I, I mean, I'd like to know what season they were in in Smallville during this time. That You know, that the recording yeah, would have remember. happened. Well, let's see. It should have been about... Smallville started in 2001, same time Justice League did. So they were probably in season... Four, five, something like that. Okay. So that's when Lex was still main character. Okay. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I really just don't know. But he never. You hear him kind of, oh, you know. But it's probably for, oh for, yeah, just it's either somebody it. else doing yeah. the voice or they pulled it from another episode. Thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman doesn't speak either, but Amazo takes her flat, her flash out along with Steel and Ice like chumps. Yeah. I mean, with one. Big, I wonder though. I mean, I realized that they had a three level, you know, mm-hmm. thing, but I wonder why they didn't put all of their heavy hitters in that very first, you know. I guess just, I mean, that's smart, though, don't, yeah, you know, I mean, you know. That's true. But, yeah. you know, at the same time, you know, if they had put everybody at one time, all the heavy hitters at one time, could they have taken him out rather than three, Yeah. you know. Three-layer salad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I just wonder. I mean, yes, it makes sense because that way, if they were defeated, if they were killed, they still had another line of heavy hitters, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm of two minds of the subject there. Yeah. I wonder if the scenes of Amazo going through Luthor's tunnel were inspired by the cut scenes from Superman the movie 
which by this point were now in Donner's director's cut, you know, the gauntlet where you right. fire and bullets and ice. How did they take that out? That was so cool. I know. I'm glad it's back in in the yeah. director's cut. Yeah, it is really cool. Uh, he's encased in liquid metal. He goes through electrical grids left and right, and nothing stops him. Electricity is mildly annoying, not evil in this mm-hmm. one. So, uh, so the big cannon was essentially blasting a virus at him, but he was no longer nanotech, uh, so it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, I thought that was actually pretty cool because I was sitting there thinking while they were working on it the first time. I remember thinking, okay, if they blast him with this thing and it's strong enough to destroy him, they're going to be baked potatoes. Yeah. Overdone baked potatoes. at the, <laughs> You know, it's going to kill them in, right. that, in that tunnel. There's no way. Uh, but, yeah, didn't work anyway. And it wasn't a laser blast. Uh, so the lanterns are alive. And like we said, you never know on this show. Right, because the lanterns are their fodder. Yeah, they they killed off a few last time, you know, so. But they come and they rescue uh, the heroes and that are floating in space. And when Kyle mentions his plan, Jon Stewart says, I will destroy half the planet. And Kyle has a badass but honestly stupid response. Mm-hmm. Half a planet's better than none. <laughs> I'm like, my dude. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you buy Jean agreeing to this? Mm-hmm. Jean, Jean, uh, Jean Jones, do you buy him agreeing to this? Because he often seems appalled at humans' savagery. He he acquiesced so easily. You would think that he would be more on Team Dr. Fate for this. I think they just needed somebody to counterpoint Dr. Fate. They yeah. needed Dr. Fate to be the more pacifistic side here. You know, and I mean, well, and you have to think, you know, Doctor Fate cannot read Amazo's mind, mm. whereas Jean can, and maybe he saw where he was completely resolved about it. And he's like, okay, you know, whereas you know, Doctor Fate didn't have that, so he could look at it more of a, well, maybe there's hope for it, whereas Jean did thought that there wasn't. Yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, it's just, you know. Jean, you he's got he's gotten disgusted with the other leaguers before over things you know about in humans in general. So mm-hmm. it just kind of you know it didn't it didn't didn't quite seem to work. But it does kind of tie in to the overarching story of like one thing about this series is is the Justice League becoming too powerful? Is it becoming too much of its own? You know government, its own country, its own entity right. that could possibly threaten the world as seen with the Justice Lords. Right. So, I mean, you know, that that's going to come up more and more here. So, even somebody like Jean going, well, this is the only way, is that a step towards that Justice Lord philosophy? Ooh. You know, I and, like and, that. and that's yeah. going to be, you know, that's going to come up. And, I mean, eventually, we'll you'll have to question some of these characters that are introduced that are counter to the Justice League. Are they really wrong? You know, uh, Fate's response to it's the only way is those words are always used to justify destruction. Well said, Dr. Fate. Mm-hmm. Well said. You can tell this episode was the screenplay was by J.M.D. Mateus. It's very existential. Mm-hmm. It's it's very, you know, he's either I mean, he's a fantastic writer, but a lot of times he's either blah, ha, ha, you know, yeah. or he's very deep and introspective. And this is a very. So basically you, if you were inter- a script writer. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I said if you were a script writer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fate is once more voiced by Oded Fear, best known for his role in the Brendan Fraser Mummy films, and more recently, Star Trek Discovery. And he's a, just a perfect Dr. Fate. You can see that guy like being Dr. Fate. Although Pierce Brosnan is Dr. Fate, looks like it's going to work too, you know, mm-hmm. in the Black Adam movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's cool. 
So that's kind of funny. You know, it's like you got um, he's playing Dr. Fate and then you got um, Timothy Dalton playing the chief on the Doom Patrol. Oh, that's true. So, yeah. so uh, somebody find George. Well, George Lazenby played Jor-El on the Superboy TV show. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> All the living James Bond have, Bonds have played. Uh, well, except Daniel Craig. I have played DC characters. Yeah, that's weird. So I, you know, I'm, he's not quite the current James Bond anymore, but he's the most recent James Bond. So yeah. Uh, so what was the Adam who's super intelligent, thinking, running at Amazo? He seems way smarter than that. He just run at him like with his fist out. What was he gonna I'm do? Just, I mean, he's just like a crook throwing the gun at Superman. Yeah, exactly. Like, what the heck? Why? We, all these super intelligent characters like Batman, master strategist here lately, is like, let's rush the god, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, just, it's like, bless him. It's like, the Adam doesn't have, like, Al Pratt, the Adam, the Golden Age Adam, at least has an atomic punch. Ray doesn't have shit. You know? Yeah. It's like he just shrinks. You know? He's got the strength of a man, you know? It's like when he's tiny, which is cool when he's tiny, but when he's a regular size, he's just got the strength of a 180 pound. Man who works out. Yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah. But he's pretty clever about shrinking him and Lex down to a subatomic world until Amazo follows him. I know. But yeah, it's like the Adam gets that moment. It's like, you know. It's like, yeah. And then it's like, then his big hand comes up. Uh, Bruce Tim says the ground they are on, which is Amazo's palm, looks more like cheese than pores. Uh, <laughs> but mm. the commentary track. But. Uh, then things get real existential, as if they weren't before. What's your purpose? It's a good question. Why does Lex want more and more power? The same could be asked for any number of people in power. You know, mm-hmm. why they keep wanting more. Uh, you know, Lex's motivation throughout the years has always been interesting. It shifts. You know, right? It's because now it's like a xenophobic type thing. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want aliens. You know, charting human destiny. You know, that type of thing in, in a lot of media. Yeah. Uh, you know, it used to be, it, and it wasn't just because Superboy made his hair fall out. It was uh, it was a domino effect of yeah. you know, all oh, the things yeah. that happened to him. But everybody always points to that. Partially because the Super Friends cartoon just made it be that. Right. You know? but, but, you know, you're talking about, it was, you know, reasoning for the 5 to 12 year old set. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, I know the lanterns are hot and mad, but they are just going to blast through Doctor Fate to get to a Mazo. Do you think they're a bit too bloodthirsty here? Nope. They're, a, mili- they're a military unit. Mm, it's true. it is considered, you know. Yeah. You know, it would be considered an acceptable collateral damage at that point. Uh, that's true. That's I true. mean, they're a military unit, and that that's what you have to realize at the base of it with Green Lanterns is they are a military. Well, even unit. the Guardian says that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean. To them, Dr. Fate would be an acceptable loss. Yeah. That's, well, okay. I'll buy that. Uh, in addition to the Green Lanterns, we mentioned before we see the Green Lantern of Syke, CYC, his name's unknown, Harunin, Palakwa, Spall, and Chasalon, which I think Chasalon's the diamond shape, the diamond Green Lantern. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks to DCAUResource.com for identifying all of these characters. I rely on this website and worldsfinest.com a lot. Worldsfinestonline.com, I think, is the name of the website. But they are like the, they're the DCAU uh, websites I go Encyclopedia-ish, to. Encyclopedia. Yeah. that I go to to look up. Well, wait, you know, wait a minute. Well, who's the, who's that character? Because even I can't keep up with all the Green Lanterns. I mean, it's just, I just can't. So, I mean, I know the main ones, but, you know. I love the exchange between John Stewart and, and Dr. Fate. What in the devil is going on? Lex Luthor is saving the world. Yeah. So. But I mean, how did Dr. Fate know it would turn out okay? Yeah, true. 
Okay, you can see we stop. Well, he's you know he's hoping. I guess maybe I don't know. Again, things are very existential here. We do get a bit more of an understanding for Lex. It actually makes you wish his reformation. Spoiler warning: wasn't just a pile of bunk, mm-hmm. but this still ties into where the character is going and what his ultimate end game is. Right, which we will see on this series. Mm-hmm. So. Alex makes a hell of a speech, then acts like a self-important dick to the god in front of him. Typical Luthor. And I love Adams. Should have quit while you were ahead. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which like, everybody was thinking that when you're watching this. You're like, dude, if shut you, up. If you watch when Lex starts talking, the Adam standing behind him, and when he says, he starts to go down that road of, you know, I used to fear you, blah, blah, blah. Now I just pity you. And it shows... Adam in the background going, Ugh. Yeah, they're like, oh. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like one of those things, you know, like... Like, sometimes I go a bit too far when I'm getting, you know, yeah. tearing somebody apart. And, you know, you'll be like, I can feel you in the background going, yeah, yeah. And then I take it just one step too far. And you're like, damn it, Cindy, shut up already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Amazo just moved all out of the way. You know, just moved it out of the way. Too bad he couldn't do that for the Thanagarians when they wanted to make a bypass through Earth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. Uh, Fate offers Amazo a place to stay and learn and grow. And the defenders of the Justice League now have their Silver Surfer or a gold one. Oh. Power Cosmic, you know, metal dude. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I buy that. <laughs> Exchange between Adam and Lex. Told you we'd beat him. What do you mean, we? Yeah. Again, that whole, you know. But it just, he walks away and Adam just kind of. He smiles because he's like, you know, That's he Lex. has some kind of, res- he respects Lex. His intellect. I've wondered him and Superman probably had some interesting conversations. You know, Lex, you know, Adam's like, you know, Lex Luthor, he's a really smart guy. And Superman probably said, it's Lex flipping Luthor. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's like <laughs> Which might be, you know, think about it. Yes, he is a a um, genius in nanotechnology, but that's probably also one of the reasons they sent Adam to be his guard, too. He's like probably the only person that could get along with Lex for that extended amount of time. Oh, because he can, yeah, he, Adam. He can his, appeal to his intellect. And Lex respects it to mm-hmm. a point, even though he yells at him. And, right, but still. And yeah. the, you know, tells him, don't use that, use this, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, what? And, you know, and burn all the circuits? That's what circuit breakers are for. You know, I <laughs> just have this argument back and forth. Uh, so we get to the Salem Tower, see Enza. And uh, who's voiced by Jennifer Hale, who was Zatanna recently for the show. And then we get the other reason this episode is called The Return. Uh Uh, I remember being pretty gobsmacked by this. I kind of figured they'd have to deal with Hot Girl at some point, but who knew when exactly? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so what did you think of of this one and her her return? I mean, it's one of those cases you you were wondering, well, where did she go? And then when she walks out, you're like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know? She went where all the... The uh, the rejects go. Yeah. They all go hang out at, at Dr. Fate's Tower. Yeah. And she, you know, she serves the Valkyrie slash Nighthawk role in that Defenders, which we said that last time. Right. She was already kind of with them when they went up against um, Ikthultu. Yes, yes. So, you know, uh, but, um, you know, you got Aquaman for Namor, Fate for Strange. Grundy was Hulk. Mm-hmm. Now you've got uh, Amazo for Silver Surfer. Right. So you got your core Defenders. Yeah, very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, this is a prime example of Justice League Unlimited. The story is surprisingly adult and existential. Of course, like we said, it's written by J.M.D. Mateus, so of course it is. But there's a ton of character cameos that make sense within the story. The fact that the creators balance the huge cast so well is one of their greatest achievements mm-hmm. on this show. So this is just this is one of those. It's like, well, what was Justice League Unlimited like right here? Yeah. This is one of the, you know, 
it, it made sense. And the how, core, the core Justice League still, you know, kind of the most important characters, but mm-hmm. you know, the, you, some of the side characters like Fate have bigger roles and things like that. So yeah, I, I thought this was a pretty good one. What do you think? Oh yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode. Yeah, I did too. I think it's, it's one of the one of the better ones so far. Power action feature. Uh, so now into our superlatives. For power action feature, um, I could go all existential and give it to Lex, but the light em up scene is just all kinds of cool and one of the best visual delights of the season, even though it wasn't effective. What do you think? I'm going with Supergirl. You're going with Supergirl? I'm going with Supergirl because you think about it. I mean, and I'm going to go on about this probably all season. Okay. But you think about it. She knows that Superman, in the first line of defense, her cousin, who she knows is more powerful than her, has been defeated, along with all of these other heroes. Yeah. She still goes out and meets him head on. Yeah, she literally meets him head on. Literally. Like flies yeah. right into him. Yeah. And I mean, you can just see this look transform her face. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Supergirl's pretty pretty badass mm-hmm. Yeah, on this show. And I, she, a lot of people, you know, this is their favorite version of Supergirl. So That's it. I mean, that's who I'm going with. Yeah. Yeah. We really got to get Dr. Ange on this show and talk about Supergirl. Well, we'll get you next season, Ange. Yeah. Because, you know, he's the biggest Supergirl fan going. So, and it is a great showcase for her. Rotating chairperson. For rotating chairperson. I, I mean, honestly, I don't like to give it to the villains, quote unquote. You could give it to Lex, but... As again, Superman would say, it's Lex flipping Luthor, so we don't want to. So I'm thinking either Adam or Dr. Fate and leaning toward the Adam. Me too. That's what I would do too, because even though, like like I talked about before, Adam realizes, yes, he's a villain, but he still respects him for his intellect. He can see beyond his actions. Right. I think I think doesn't hurt that I think John C. McGinley like actually I could see him like playing the Adam like when he was younger Mm. I could see him like being Ray Palmer too so I think I think he's a good voice he's got it it's Andrea Romano Romano, yeah I mean he's got it is that he he's got a he's got a good heroic voice but it's distinctive you know it doesn't sound like everybody else doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like George Newbern doesn't sound like Kevin Conroy Um, and it it just I really like the Adam and we're gonna get one more a spotlight episode for the Adam this season. I'm looking forward to that, too. Justice League Communicator. Justice League Communicator, I think, you know, we couldn't give it to her anywhere else. I think you almost have to give it to Shaira. Shaira's, uh, his bark is worse than his bite line. What do you think? No, I'm going with the Adam when he was like, couldn't you just stop already? <laughs> you know, when I heard you were coming, I was actually afraid of you. Petrified. But now, when I see your fear, your uncertainty, I just pity you. Should have quit while you were ahead. I'm going with that one. Should have quit while you were ahead. Should have quit while you were ahead. I'm going with that. Because okay. I'm like, man. All right. Well, that's a good one, too. I, I could, I, I almost had that one down. But I, I just, I felt like, you know. That's the reason I try not to read your notes before we go into this. Because I don't want this part. Right. And then, but I'm also having to, you know, think yeah, about you're it. You're thinking about it in your head. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Comic connections. For comic connections, the creators are forging their own path with Amazo, but again, they are creating their the version defenders. of the yeah, Defenders. Like so. you said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Electricity is evil. Electricity is evil. Uh, not so much evil, but very ineffective against Amazo. Yeah. So there you go. We want to give a special thanks to our Patreon supporters for information on how you can support the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Visit patreon.com slash fwpodcast. 
Esther, special thanks to Jorge Luis Castillo, Matt Ryan, Neil Whitney, and our latest patron, Jeff Owens of the Classic Horrors Club podcast for specifically supporting JLU Cast. You guys rock. Yes. Thank you so very much. Yes, you're 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 our first line of defense against Amazo. So yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> well. Uh, join us next time for one of the greatest episodes of the entire JLU series. Even though it's a tale no one will ever know about, we'll have a very special guest to help us discuss it. Who's it going to be? Come on, guys. You know we can't tell you that. Want to make something of it? Bye. Bye. JLU Cast is a Franklin and Franklin production in association with Bugaloo Enterprises worldwide and is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. The characters and properties mentioned in this show are copyright their respective holders. Likewise, all audio clips are copyright their holders and no infringement is implied. So please don't sue mommy and daddy. Emails can be sent to supermatespodcast at gmail.com. Comments can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Find us on Facebook by searching for JLUcast and FW Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter by using the hashtag FWPodcast. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to JLUcast. We have another guest, Inza. Would you prepare a place for him? Of course. Welcome. Are you all right? Fine. Although there was a moment when I actually thought John Stewart was going to attack me. Oh, I don't know about that. His bark's a lot worse than his bite. <laughs>